Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, so tonight I want to go through uh, my perspective on Vix Pervenet, which is uh, an encyclical by Pope Benedict XIV, published in 1745, uh, on usury and other dishonest prophets. So uh, last week I uploaded a bonus episode uh, which was just me reading the encyclical. So you can uh, go back to that if you want to listen to that. Um, and so I'm going to start off with just kind of an overview, some general information that you need uh, about this encyclical. So the even though this encyclical was originally written just for the Italian bishops, it was um, applied to the whole of the Catholic Church on July 29th, 1836, uh, by the Holy Office during the reign of Pope Gregory the Sixteenth. So, yes, when you read it, there's a lot of discussion about, um, you know, this being to the clergy of Italy. But uh, nowadays, it is applied um, everywhere, and so that's an important thing to remember because people uh, there, there's a there's a lot of confusion with this encyclical. So um, that needs to be clarified first of all. The second thing that I think needs to be clarified is that this encyclical was originally addressing a specific case, like a specific person uh, or a specific uh, you know, set of people were having a dispute over a contract. And so the Pope, um, as you can hear, like I said, if you listen to the previous episode, the bonus episode, um, yeah, the Pope is, is calling on some clergymen to uh, advise him on... Uh, this matter so that he can sort of try to clear it up. And so what I want to do is I'm going to go to section three and read through the five points um, that are made. Not necessarily read through them, but uh, kind of go through them and, and provide a little bit of context and, and commentary that I think clarifies some of these issues. So in the first part of uh, under number three, um, he starts off, uh, the Holy Father starts off, the nature of sin called usury has its proper place and origin in a loan contract. So stop right there. This is very, very, very important because what's going to happen in this encyclical is you're going to get a discussion of other types of contracts that are different from a loan in which it is okay for someone to earn uh, you know, additional money. Um, the, the, the context of this is that, uh, you know, at the time, money was not thought of as a productive asset, right? It is today, unfortunately, but at the time it was thought of as inert, right? Money is just uh, a means of transacting, uh, which I would say is, is true. Um, now we're, we're sort of, we live in a, in a society that is just full of compound interest, right? Everywhere we turn, compound interest. Everyone who learns any kind of finance learns everything in, in terms of compound interest. Um, so it's, it's hard for us to put ourselves in that mindset that existed at this time when this was written. And so, but we need to do that. Um, so again, he's addressing the notion of a, a loan contract. And that is where he says that is where um, a usury comes from. So usury is only uh, found in this loan contract. Um, 
And so he continues uh, a little bit later and he says, the sin rests on the fact that sometimes the creditor desires more than he has given. Therefore, he contends some gain is owed him beyond that which he loaned. But any gain which exceeds the amount he gave is illicit and usurious. So look, again, this is unequivocal. Any kind of confusion that someone might allege that other parts of this uh, encyclical uh, might generate is totally illegitimate. Because this is very, very, very clear. There are no exceptions in the document to this very idea right here. There is no gain beyond that which he loaned that is legitimate, period, okay? If you go to the Wikipedia article on Vix Prevenant, down um, underneath uh, this subheading called Extrinsic Interest, it says, the encyclical, however, did allow extrinsic interest to be charged, stating that legitimate reasons arise to demand something over and above the amount due on the contract, as long as those reasons are not at all intrinsic to the contract. The Holy Office would later expand upon these extrinsic justifications for interest in 1780 and 1784 to include compensation for the hazards and delays of repayment. The encyclical also did not prohibit profit from non-lending investment. Look, it, this is just a spurious interpretation. This doesn't make any sense in the context of uh, the encyclical. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this part, but I want, I want you to know that before we even get into this, right, this whole thing about extrinsic interest, um, it, it, it just it makes no sense. Okay, The only thing that's legitimate in what I just read from Wikipedia is that it says, the encyclical did not prohibit profit from non-lending investment. That's true. But all of this stuff about extrinsic justifications for interest and compensation for the hazards and delays of payment, that is not in there. It is not in there at all. And these, um, these other, uh, you know, discussions from the Holy Office, um, you know, in 1780 and 1784, uh, you know, those aren't... Um, you know, those aren't part of this uh, promulgation by the Holy Office later in 1836 um, by Pope Gregory the Sixteenth. So, you know, this is not part of what, what when Vix Prevenant was uh, sort of applied to the rest of the Church. So these, these are all separate things. Uh, okay, so let me go to the second part under uh, item number three. So um, it says. <clears throat> One cannot condone the sin of usury by arguing that the gain is not great or excessive, but rather moderate or small. Neither can it be condoned by arguing that the borrower is rich, nor even by arguing that the money borrowed is not left idle, but is spent usefully, either to increase one's fortune, to purchase new estates, or to engage in business transactions. Now see, this is very, very important, because if you read the Zippy Catholic Q&A, which is very, very popular. If you read the Zippy Catholic Q&A on usury, and I'll link to it, um, there is much made about this notion that um, if, if a loan is made um, for a business transaction, then all of a sudden everything changes. Then all of a sudden interest is legitimate. But again, this has nothing to do with it. Uh, it it's 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 flat out stated right here in this encyclical that 
even in the case of business transactions, even if the person you're lending to is rich, even if you know it's to um, you know uh, purchase new estates or to you know engage in business transactions, even if it's not idle, um, even if you know we're just charging a little bit of interest, right? Again, it's very clear. It says in here, this is not legitimate. Period. In fact, it goes on to say, therefore, if one receives interest, he must make restitution according to the commutative bond of justice. Its function in human contracts is to assure equality for each one. This law is to be observed in a holy manner. If not observed exactly, reparation must be made. It does not get any clearer than that. Okay, And everything else that happens that, that's stated after this is where some people allege there's some kind of confusion or there's some kind of uh, you know allowance made uh, for loans, and it's just simply not the case. Okay, nothing of what nothing that's stated later um, nullifies anything that I've just read and that I've just discussed. None of it. Okay, so the next part of number three, he says, by these remarks, however. We do not deny that at times, together with the loan contract, certain other titles, which are not at all intrinsic to the contract, may run parallel with it. Look, this is not, as the Wikipedia article states, this is not a, um, this is not a compensation for the hazards and delays of repayment, right? Those things are intrinsic to the contract, right? This is what you write in the contract. You say, if, you know, if Jim is late in paying me, then he must pay a fee, right? That's intrinsic. That's part of the contract. Now, so how can we, how can we even conceive of this, right? And, and especially, you know, I think what's, what's useful here is we, we can take these words and, and apply them to the way things work today. Um, I mean, anybody with any passing familiarity with uh, uh, lending or with investing, I mean, good grief, even if you just watch uh, Shark Tank a few times, right, you will get a sense for the richness of the different types of contracts that exist. So, again, this says, we do not deny that at times, together with the loan contract, certain other titles, which are not at all intrinsic to the contract, may run parallel with it. From these titles, entirely just and legitimate reasons arise to demand something over and above the amount due on a contract. Nor is it denied that it is very often possible for someone, by means of contracts differing entirely from loans, let me say that again, differing entirely from loans, to spend and invest money legitimately, either to provide oneself with an annual income or to engage in legitimate trade and business. From these types of contracts, honest gain may be made." Unquote. So again, read in the full context here, instead of robbing a few phrases and, and uh, rearranging them in this Wikipedia article, we can see that what's happening here is, imagine you were trying to help someone get a business going and you lent them, uh, let's say you lent them 20% of the money they needed and then you decided to invest the other 30%. Um, 
that they that they of, of the money that they needed, right? So that you were going to be a you know in, in some sense a half and half partner with them, right? So uh, they needed they only had half the money. You were going to give them the other half, thirty percent uh, of the money that they needed. You were going to give them in the form of investment, right? Where you became an owner, and then the other twenty percent that they needed would be a loan. Here's the thing, right? This is two contracts that are running parallel with each other, right? This is two contracts that are related in the sense that they are both providing funds to the same person for the same purpose. One of them, the the investment that you're making, entails risk in the business, right? It entails your ownership. See, today, this is the fundamental difference between equity and debt, right? Or, or you know, investment and debt is the risk that you take on. Debt holders, in, in the event of liquidation of a business, debt holders are first in line. Debt holders are paid interest as an expense from the business. Not They are not paid a residual of the profits, right? Equity holders are, are guaranteed absolutely nothing upon the failure of a business. And they are only, uh, in the normal conduct of the business, are only paid from the residual profit, the profit that's left over. Debt holders have a completely different risk profile. Debt holders, yeah, they might um, they might be defaulted on, sure, but that's where we have courts, right? We have courts to deal with that. Um, you know, we have bankruptcy, right? Bankruptcy is is a whole set of proceedings where the court gets involved and ensures that the lenders are compensated in some way, right? Based on the you know the ability of the person to pay and, and, and the laws and stuff like that. But there's no risk for the debt holder in the same way that there is risk for the equity holder, for the person who owns part of the business. The debt holder is paid interest as a matter of the normal conduct of business. And even when that conduct of business is severed, right, when it's ended, when the, when the firm fails, the debt holder is first in line to receive the funds from the liquidation of the assets of the business. So again, this is not the same risk. It's, it's not even close. In fact, they're legally protected from risk. Now, yeah, do, sometimes, do they lose money sometimes? Absolutely. But again, that, that's not the same risk profile. It's not even close. It's qualitatively different from the risk profile for the person who is an owner of the business, who will, who never has a guaranteed return, and even and, and especially in the case of the liquidation of the business, that person may not see a, a red cent at all. So it's very important, I think, to separate to, to understand these fundamental basic differences between equity and debt, and a and, and try to understand VIX Prevenit in the context of this, right? We're talking about two different titles, right? One that is of, of a certain type, right? And, and, and it sounds like equity, right? It, it says to spend and invest money legitimately, either to provide oneself with an annual income or to engage in legitimate trade and business. That is equity, right? That is investment in business. That's totally different from lending. They are not the same thing. And again, the Zippy Catholic blog says, oh, well, see, it's it's business, so therefore the loan is okay. No, 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 no. Not at all. The loan 
is something that is parallel with this other title that is being described. And this other title is obviously an equity title. Very clear. So the Zippy Catholic blog is wrong. The Wikipedia article, big surprise, the Wikipedia article is wrong. These are two separate contracts. The first two parts of number three make it very clear that loaning at interest is always and everywhere wrong. Now, remember, the context is that VIX Prevented is addressing a specific contract dispute, and I don't know much about that, but it's obvious from the third part here that what's happening is that the, the uh, His Holiness is trying to make a delineation between an equity contract and a debt contract. And what you find if you read the whole thing much later on, um, he exhorts people to write everything down, right? When they're, when they're coming up, when they're drawing up some kind of a contract with someone, they need to write everything down. And I think that what that tells me sort of as a context clue is that probably what happened here is that part of this dispute was two people didn't agree on what was agreed to at the beginning. Um, and so if they had written it down, uh, you know, and people these days still make contracts without writing stuff down, but if they'd written it down, some of the clarity would not, um, you know, they, we, there would be some more clarity here, or perhaps the thing wouldn't even have been written. Who knows? Okay, so the fourth part uh, under number three. There are many different contracts of this kind. In these contracts, if equality is not maintained, whatever is received over and above what is fair is a real injustice, even though it may not fall under the precise rubric of usury, since all reciprocity, both open and hidden, is absent. Restitution is obligated. Thus, if everything is done correctly and weighed in the scales of justice, these same legitimate contracts suffice to provide a standard and a principle for engaging in commerce and fruitful business for the common good. Christian minds should not think that gainful commerce can flourish by usuries or other similar injustices. On the contrary, we learn from divine revelation that justice raises up nations. Sin, however, makes nations miserable. So again, we're drawing this distinction between usury uh, in, in terms of loans and legitimate commerce you know and fruitful business for the common good right that uh, of course loans can be part of that but earning interest on those loans is not legitimate it is not part of the common good it is not part of fruitful business okay those equity contracts are perfectly fine those things, yes, of course, you can earn, uh, you know, because you're sharing in the risk, right? Um, what I would recommend here is go to ihspress.org, ihspress.org, and order yourself a copy of uh, Ethics in the National Economy, Economy by Father Heinrich Pesch. It's an inexpensive book. You'll, you might have to email them or call them to, to order it. Uh, there's something going on with their website, but they're honest, good people. Uh, they, they, you know, they will get the book to you. If you have to contact me, uh, you know, if you don't hear from them, contact me and I'll get in touch with them and, and, and we'll make sure you get it. Um, but you need to read his book because I think, you know, a lot of people will push, um, Zippy Catholic stuff, but I think it's inferior to, uh, you know, rest in peace, Zippy and all of that stuff. You know, Zippy passed away several years ago, but, um, Father Pesha's stuff is just better. And it's much more clearly stated. Uh, you know, Father Petsch was a trained economist. Um, it's, it's much clearer uh, what's going on here. Okay, so then the last one, uh, under number three. 
But you must diligently consider this, that some will falsely and rashly persuade themselves, and such people can be found anywhere, that together with loan contracts, there are other legitimate titles or accepting loan contracts they might convince themselves that other just contracts exist, for which it is permissible to receive a moderate amount of interest. Should anyone think like this, he will oppose not only the judgment of the Catholic Church on usury, but also common human sense and natural reason. Everyone knows that man is obliged in many instances to help his fellows with a simple, plain loan. Christ himself teaches this. Do not refuse to him to lend to him who asks you. In many circumstances, no other true and just contract may be possible except for a loan. Whoever therefore wishes to follow his conscience must first diligently acquire if, along with the loan, another category exists by means of which the gain he seeks may be lawfully obtained. So again, this last section here sort of summarizes the previous four, right? Usury is always and everywhere wrong. Lending at interest is usury. Lending at interest is then is therefore wrong. If you want to um, share in the, uh, uh, the fruits of an investment, then you are, you are told to make an investment, right? I'll restate the last sentence. Whoever therefore wishes to follow his conscience must first diligently inquire if, along with the loan, another category exists by means of which the gain he seeks may be lawfully attained. Right? So we go back to the same issue. The person who needs, uh, you know, this this investment capital, right? This money, uh, you can loan some of it to them, and you can invest some as well, right? But if you want some of the the, the residual gain of that investment, then you must invest. You cannot simply loan it to him and expect him to pay you interest. This is not allowed. Okay, it's very clear. Um, so I, I don't think, that given this, that there's any other uh, sort of lack of clarity in the rest of the document. If you if you treat these the section three seriously, um, there there's just simply is nothing for you to argue. Uh, in terms of um, usury, uh, in other words, lending at interest, right? Simply lending at interest, period, is usury. It's very well stated. Anytime in the rest of the document you hear anything about, you know, some kind of return being given to the person who uh, provides money, okay, that, that is in the context of an investment, okay? period. This is very clear. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't think there's anything more for me to say on this, um, but I do appreciate um, all of you listening. I appreciate the monthly donations from uh, several of you, and um, I, I really um, hope that uh, you uh, are enjoying the content. Please let me know if you have requests or questions. Um, you can uh, you can contact me uh, via email. Um, it's tradeconomist at gmail.com. Um, or you can put some comments in the YouTube, uh, you can put YouTube comments in, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, you can hit me up uh, at Twitter uh, at the, the Trad Dads uh, Twitter account, just uh, search Trad Dads and you'll find the Trad Dads Twitter account. Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.